Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. So light for your approval. Another dimension. So light for your shadow. Another dimension. So light for your shadow. Another dimension. So light for your shadow. Another twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to a podcast not only of sound, but also of mind. It's Time to Rewind is a podcast that takes a journey into a wondrous land of time loops whose boundaries are that of imagination. Each episode, my guest and I explore these time loops one loop at a time. This stop is Trapped in the Twilight Zone, and this is the first stop at 1985's Season 1, Episode 23's first segment, Shadow Play. Here with me once again is my guest, comedian and podcaster, Alice Lauren. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good as well. This is, you know, interesting because this this version of Shadow Play is at the same time very extremely similar to the 1961 version, but also very different. Thank God, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think about the the nineteen eighty five version compared to the nineteen sixty one version? I really liked it. I think I even like it better. I like that it kind of fleshed out some new details, um, you know, really gave me more to think about as, you know, these characters are are questioned. Um, one of my favorite parts is when the DA's wife is questioned like, oh, how long have you been married then? And she can't really, she doesn't really have the memories. She can't really say, you know, and it's, you know, they're not, they're not as sentient as they think they are. And it really, it really puts some doubt there. So I I really loved um, more, you know, more details. I loved um, more women in kind of stronger, stronger roles where they didn't have to be one note. Um, that was, that was definitely very interesting as well. Yeah, in this one we get a, uh, in his defense, um, his defense lawyer is now played by a woman. So instead of the, like the press secretary and the DA, which were the, like the two primary characters that were talking to each other away from him, it's now the DA and then his defense lawyer. So they were working together. For some reason, I thought they were like lawyers of opposing counsel. I was really confused. I mean, they they were. They're they're based because the the DA was basically the prosecutor. He was the one arguing to get Adam Grant convicted, and then right. she she was his defense lawyer trying to um trying to save him from getting convicted. Okay, okay, perfect. I was I was right. I'm like at first I was like, why is she coming over? You know, usually these lawyers aren't really, you know, when they're on opposite sides, they're not really fraternizing. Um so that yeah, that, that was that was definitely very interesting. Yeah, and, and it it was nice to get get an additional woman uh, in a in a major role. The wife had more of a role as well. So yeah, I mean it, it definitely yeah, it was definitely nice to get that. Yeah, and and they also, I, I think that he did a better job of assigning 
faces to a lot of the the characters and made them more personal because you know the, a lot of them um like in the 1961 the the only other one i can remember is the guy playing the harmonica is he offhandedly mentions you know um you're just a character from a bad movie that i saw once yeah and then i mean even see it when you know she comes in and she's kind of like oh you know what was it like where's where's my drink or you know something like that it was like you could see sort of those those gender roles changing changing a bit where she's like oh whatever you know i made a drink i'm you know i'm i'm fine i'm you know like this more of an independent woman kind of kind of role as, as we get into the 80s i also thought it was it was interesting how similar the two main characters looked like they had a very similar hairstyle they're they're still kind of a, a, they look more or less like a generic white guy like the uh, Adam Grant in this version, he's played by Peter Coyote, um, who's that's an actor that I'm not familiar with, and and I wasn't familiar with any of the actors in the the 1961 version, which was partially why I didn't you know name any of them, um, and and I think that would be true for many of the people listening to this, and unless they're um, more familiar with 60s era TV shows and movies. And like silly, silly question, but this is not also Rod Serling, right? No, like, the um, this is one of those. He was like one of the movie trailer voices, like not okay. not the big one that it, that was known for like in the world. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was one of those guys who also did, you know, a whole lot of trailer narrations in the 80s and 90s. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, Charles Aidman, that, that's who his name is. Interesting. But yeah, going back to the main characters looking, you know, pretty similar, kind of that same, I think even like similar haircuts and everything. I mean, it really added to the like, this is the same 60s guy and, you know, he's still going through it in the 80s. He's still, you know, that definitely added to it. Yeah, and like like I was mentioning with the roles, like he points out that the DA's wife is his sister, and it's his sister because his sister hates him and wants to punish him, and so in his dream he's be, he's made her into a character that doesn't like him and wants to punish him, and is um, more or less in the role of someone basically trying to convince the DA not to call the governor. So she's kind of an, an, an a more of an antagonistic character in this version, even though it's she's kind of removed and it's it's almost like a passive antagonism. Yeah, yeah, versus like yeah, versus the the 60s and oh, I'm tired, I'm going to bed and then, you know, I'm basically gone. <laughs> yeah. And I also appreciated that, you know, he points out whenever the the priest comes in to give him his last rites, uh, he he's like, you know, you're my father that that's that's dead. Like, so there there is again a, a more personal connection to this character, and I, I think in this situation, it fits more too because it would make sense that his father would be a character that shows up to give him his last rites 
in this dream where he is getting killed over and over. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, as soon as the priest comes over and he's like, Dad, and the priest is like, well, I mean, people usually call me father. Like, that was both, like, funny and a little bit, you know, heartbreaking as well. And and I know we mentioned this whenever we were talking about the 60s version, but it is weird that they decide that they made the change from the electric chair to hanging. Is that how they ever like killed people in a in a in a death row sense? I mean that what? Yeah, I, I think it has happened in the in the U.S., but not since like maybe the early 1900s. I, I, I didn't do any research, but I, I know it hasn't been done at the very latest and maybe the 40s or 50s. But, you know, after that, definitely nobody has, has been hanged on death row. It's, um, I imagine it's, it's either the electric chair or lethal injection. Yeah. I mean, technically, you know, it's a dream. He can dream whatever. He could have dreamed, you know, dreamt firing squad i mean anything you know but yeah yeah and and i think that that again brings back to what we were talking about before where this is this isn't supposed to be reality this is supposed to be dream reality based on what this character thinks of what would happen so so maybe in this version like peter peter coyote's version of adam grant is maybe a fan of westerns and and even though he's not in like a western style jail cell he has that that tied in of the western trope of hanging which is which is pretty prevalent in in western movies and tv shows even though in his dream he's modernized it a bit more and there there are like you said there's a lot more little details in this like I, I especially noticed at the very beginning i like how whenever they zoom in on him you see him like pinching his hand over and over again trying to get himself to wake up oh i didn't even notice that oh that's yeah that's good i mean i was thinking more of like you know it, it's like the, the conversations continue and you know into more detail into more let's try to convince the wife um into you know more arguments of you know what's what's reality and and what's a dream i mean even literally watching the people disappear at the end you know one by one disappear at the end was you know pretty jarring yeah which it does it does follow a very similar beat in the 60s version because the first two things that that disappear are two animate two inanimate objects but in this version, they actually do go the extra sh- step and show the people disappearing as well. And I've also, like you, like you mentioned, I, I think this does a better job of showing that whenever we are seeing the other characters that, that aren't Adam Grant talking with each other, that it's still a part of Adam, Adam Grant's dream because he uses their conversation between the DA and his wife at the DA's home as as proof that he's in a dream because he he recites basically what's the 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 different music choices that his wife suggested 
and you know maybe we should start a fire like he recites her lines exactly in in order to convince the da that he's in a dream yeah it's it's it's, it's more believable in in how he's you know convincing because because yeah i mean he he gives more details he knows what's going on even when he's you know quote unquote not even there um yeah so this this does a better job of showing that even though adam grant isn't in the scene it's believable that he is watching it like from a third person perspective like in in those scenes it's almost like he's the camera that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I guess I can imagine that being how I know you, you talked about before. You know, having dreams that were third person, like you're kind of the camera, like it's kind of a movie. Because I'm wondering, you know, watching, you know, watching the episode, how is, is he just kind of blacking out in his jail experience, and suddenly his mind is on the DA's home, and then he's back again, and the prisoners are there. Um, so, so he's kind of like switching scenes in his own in his own mind. Yeah, I I also liked the the difference about how even though I didn't like as much how they showed it visually on screen, where they basically cut away um, and and showed it and showed his uh, remembering his trip to the to the hanging uh, to be hung. Even though I didn't like as much how they showed it, I did like some of the additional details. Like I, I like how he described the the sheets that hung down, so you would see, and how it was backlit, so any observers would just see the silhouette and they wouldn't see the physical body falling. So it was more well, theatrical. Well, even even the fact that you know he had. The, I mean, basically a sack or bag or whatever over over his head, and then he can still say, okay, and then this person, you know, that I can't see, right, is doing this, and this person does this, and they flick the switch, or they, you know, I, mean, I guess the switch is in both episodes, you know, they do this, they do that, um, so he definitely is kind of omniscient <laughs> as well. Yeah, and some of the some of the other little details that I liked, I, I liked how he mentioned in, in both versions that the sack over his head smelled like an old sofa. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he and, has a sense of he can smell in the dream too. Yeah, which I I I didn't look it up, but I remember um I remember hearing that you know back in in the fifties and earlier most people actually dreamed in black and white and it wasn't until you know the the 60s on through the the 80s and 90s that people actually started dreaming in color what oh my gosh <laughs> yeah and i think and, and again I, I i haven't done a lot of reading into this recently but i do think that it has to do with um, TV and movies, mm -hmm. uh, since they were, you know, back in the 50s and before, they were primarily black and white, and then, you know, once movies were in color, 
then people started dreaming more more often in color because I, I I remember I definitely remember hearing that whenever I was a kid and I was always confused by it because I I knew that that I dreamed in color am I different from everybody else I don't know if that shows how much we get from TV and the movies because I mean I'm pretty sure the 60s were in color <laughs> like in real life, like real life has always been in color. <laughs> so I'm a little bit surprised that, you know, people really took from TV that that much. Yeah, that is that is surprising, and you know, it, it, it's something that, you know, if if I remember, but before I talk about this this episode with another guest, I I might do some more digging into that and see if I can find some more information on it. But I I also love the detail whenever he was recounting that, whenever he talked about the three different men that push the button that release the latch that actually kills him, because that that's something else that that I've often heard um, that would relate to with firing squads. And in firing squads, you know they they had they would have many different people that would be firing at uh, somebody and um and the the saying is that um either one of them would have a blank or only one of them would have a live bullet and so that would that would help ease their minds so that way they would have that that seed of a doubt that they could tell themselves well, there's a good chance that I wasn't the one that actually killed him. That I was just pushing a fake button. And so that helps them live with themselves. So that way they're, they don't have as guilty of a conscience if there was only one person who was definitely the one that, was, that pushed the button that, that uh, caused the prisoner to die. That, that's smart. I, I wonder now kind of what maybe the discrepancies are and you know how this whole death row process actually works versus what we see here because that can also be you know more i mean they tell us in the beginning unlike you know at the end you kind of have the it was all a dream surprise but i think it would it would tell us more if you know there were things that were definitely correct when it comes to how executions work yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how it's done. I know, like, in terms of, like, um, lethal injection setups where it's more of the assisted suicide sort of thing, they, they have it where the person is able to basically trigger it themselves. But I don't think that's really possible in a prisoner situation because I don't think they could convince the, the prisoner to push that button themselves. Hmm. That, that, that makes sense. Um, was there any other like notable differences between the, the 85 version and the 61 version that, that you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, I was trying to really notice the set design to see if there was maybe some clues, you know, in the DA's home that could say, oh, this is definitely, this is definitely a dream. Um, I didn't notice too much. I mean, I definitely zeroed in on that lamp, um, just being there. 
it, they both seemed like kind of bare. So I was trying to think of if somebody was, you know, dreaming up a a home, you know, would they include little details? I mean, I think the '85 version, it wasn't maybe remember it wasn't as bare. If they kind of add, you know, there were some more decorations and and things in there. Because um, I know what the courtroom was plain, the jail was plain, you know, but trying to dream up like what you know, a DA would have in their home what a family home would look like, maybe would look like, you know, his, you know, Adam Grant's home. Uh, but that was interesting to me. Yeah, the, the only thing that I really noticed about the DA's home was I, I thought that the, like, the walls were painted very bright colors. Like, his living room was, like, a, um, like, not a, not a garishly bright, but it was, like, a pink color like uh, almost like a salmon color, which I, I thought was a very unusual color for a living room. And then like his, um, I think his entryway, his entry room was like a tan color. And I thought that those were just weird color choices for somebody's home. Maybe, yeah, maybe more, more whimsical or... Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, you wonder how much of, whether it be personal experience or in the movies, kind of shape, you know, how he saw different locations. I mean, the, the jail probably was, well, maybe jail and courtroom were probably things that he kind of thought, okay, on TV, this is how this looks. I wonder if, you know, the, the home was sort of a, you know, my favorite sitcoms kind of home, or if it was... Yeah, maybe what his home sort of looked like or childhood home looked like. Yeah, I, I did get a sense. I mean, I'm, I am I might be reading too much into it, but it it didn't feel like an, an 80s style set. Like it, the, the, the DA's home, it, it almost felt more like a 50s or 60s era decorations. Yeah. Yeah, more more retro as well. That's that's. Yeah, but um, you know, I, other than that, I, I think that's that's about all I have for this episode. Unless there was anything else that that you wanted to say. I, th- I think if I think of anything, we'll we'll pick it up in the next in the next part. All right. Well, once again, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. And why don't you go ahead and remind everybody where they can find you online? Of course, you can find me on. Twitter at Pod Socialite. My TikTok is Podcast Socialite. And my Facebook that I use the most is Alice Lauren. Just message me, let me know where you heard me, and we'll chat. And as always, I am Bubba Wheats, and you can find me at flightstightsandmovienights.com. You can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheats, and you can find this podcast, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. I also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group, where you can join to talk about the podcast as well as time loop movies and TV shows and anything else. And if you are on iTunes, I'd appreciate it if you give this podcast a five-star rating and a review as well to help attract new listeners. So until next time, I will still be here, trapped in the twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension.
Are we simply playing parts in someone else's feverish, complicated nightmare? 